0: Welcome Nexus Church Family Online to our online service for this week. We pray that will be a challenging and encouraging message that will uplift you and connect you to God. Uh, in our service today, we will start out with one song of worship, kind of get us prepared for the message. And we'll have about a half hour for a message, maybe a little less, a little more. And then we'll close it off with a time of reflection with a song at the end. And so today I would like to open up in prayer as we prepare for today's message. Father, thank you for today. I thank you for the songs that we will sing that are a praise to you. I pray that the message that is shared today will encourage those who are listening. And I thank you for them and their lives and their families and we pray that this week will be a great week as we be a light to our world around us in Jesus. Name.
1: walking down
0: Texas Church Family Online, and we are in our second week in our series titled Mind's Eye. Now, maybe that little song brings you back to a lot of years ago already, uh, but really the intent of this series is to help us create a healthy mindset, or a mind's eye, or as I like to call it, the mind of Christ, quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And last week we established from 1 Corinthians and chapter 2 that this mind of Christ really is a teachable mind. Absolutely. Jesus had what we called last week a growth mindset. He was willing to change and to adapt and he welcomed whatever was brought to him, he brought it back with a positive perspective and he used everything for the good of those around him and ultimately for the glory of God. And so if we're going to create this mind of Christ, we need to figure out, now that we have this teachable spirit, one that wants to become like Christ, or as maybe what Paul said in Romans 12 Verse two, he said, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God. And so now we must understand what does that healthy mind look like? What must we do internally so that we can be transformed and become like Christ in our thinking and ultimately then in our actions as well? And so that is what we are going to be focusing on today. How do we create this healthy mind? And really, it begins when we get rid of those things that are not of Jesus, those things that cloud our mind. Now, the reality this morning is, is every single person listening or watching along today, we all struggle with a healthy mind. We all have garbage that likes to corrupt our mind. Now, whether it's maybe bad thoughts about other people, maybe it could be anger or negativity or pessimism, or maybe it could even be something about how people view you, we all have this tendency to allow things to creep into our minds. And we have a perfect example of this in the Bible. In fact, it was the first king... Of Israel. You see, Israel looked at the the nations around them and how powerful they were and their great leaders, right? The mighty kings of the old. And then they saw that and they cried out to Samuel, who was kind of their pastor, if you will, at the time. He was a mighty man of God. God spoke to him, much like Moses, his predecessor, and and he delivered a message to the people. He was kind of that in-between God and man. And so they cried out to Samuel, Samuel, we must have a king. And so Samuel went to God, and they had a conversation, and God said, no, I, I don't want you to have any king but me. I am your king. Don't put man in that place of me, because if you do, he will, he will ruin it. He will misrepresent me. But they proceeded, and they continuously pleaded, give us a king. Give us a king. And finally, God gave the green light to Samuel, and then he told him which person was to be the first king, and he set apart Saul. Saul, who was a very humble man, he didn't want to be the next king, but yet he was the man God had. And we don't get too far in this story of Saul before he meets his first battle, his first war. And in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 6 through 14, we read of Saul's first encounter with God. This was pretty powerful. And so the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble because the troops were in a difficult situation. They hid in caves and thickets among rocks and in holes and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul, however, was still in Gilgal, and all his troops were gripped with fear, right? (laughs) This is their first massive battle. This was their first ever king. What are we to do? We are outnumbered. We are spread out. We're running for our lives. And so he waited seven days for the appointed time that Samuel had set. Right? So Samuel told him to go to the certain place, wait for me, and I will seek God for you and for Israel. But Samuel didn't come to Gilgal, and the troops were deserting him. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. Then he offered the burnt offerings. And just as he finished offering the burnt offerings, Samuel arrived. So Saul went out to greet him and Samuel asked, what have you done? Saul, you know better, right? Saul answered, when I saw the troops were deserting me and you didn't come within the appointed days and the Philistines were gathering at Michmash, I thought, the Philistines will now descend on me in Galgal and I haven't sought the Lord's favor. So, so I forced myself to offer the burnt offerings. (laughs) He forced himself. He knew he wasn't supposed to do it, so he Forced himself. Now, if only we could trust that Saul was telling the truth. And Samuel said to him, You have been foolish. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God gave you. It was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel. But now you will, your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not done what the Lord commanded. Wow. Now, we point to Saul and we say, what an idiot, right? Like, why would you have done something that God specifically told you not to do? You knew better. But how many of us, if we were put in that situation, you know, Saul really did not want to be king. He did it, in a sense, reluctantly. He didn't want to be there. And so here he is leading this massive people against their enemy and the enemy is coming upon them and his people are fleeing he doesn't know what to do he didn't want to be here in the first place how many of us if we were put in that same situation we would have done the same exact thing like Samuel's not here what am I going to do i'm going to do what Samuel would have done i'm going to offer up offerings i'm going to plead with God and ask what do you want us to do what sh- where should we go our people are going to be destroyed, and you are our God, the one true God. I would have done the same thing, and I'm sure most would have as well. But here's the thing. Samuel was a man of God who knew God intimately. They were connected, and God spoke to him directly. Samuel knew in that moment, maybe even before he arrived at camp, Samuel knew that God had already rejected Saul. Because it's not many chapters later. In fact, in First Samuel chapter 15, we read that, that Saul does it again. After he'd already had his massive consequence of you would have been, you, your heritage would have went on forever. Your lineage as king would have continued on to your son and your grandson and your great-grandson, and on throughout all generations. But it's in your heart. Saul, you were a humble man, and now you are no longer humble. You are taking what was not to be yours, and you made it yours. God did not give you the, the line of a priest or a prophet or a pastor. He gave you the authority as a king. You went over your line. And here we see it again coming up in just two chapters later in 1 Samuel 15. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. So Samuel became angry and cried out to the Lord all night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up to confront Saul But it was reported to Samuel that Saul went to Carmel where he set up a monument for himself. So here we are in another battle. And what does Saul do? He's going against everything God said to do. In fact, he went as far as to make a monument, a statue of himself. And we know from the Ten Commandments that there should be no graven images. There should be no idols We only worship God. And so Saul was making up a monument, a statue of himself. Then he turned around and went down to Gilgal. When Samuel came to him, Saul said, May the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Samuel replied, Then what is the sound of the sheep and goat and cattle I hear? You see, this battle that the Israelites had against what was the Amalekites, their enemies, they were supposed to destroy everything. They were supposed to leave nothing. That land was supposed to be demolished, destroyed, absolutely obliterated. But they didn't do that. Samuel replied, then what is the sound of the sheep and the goats and the cattle that I hear? They should be destroyed. Why? Why do I hear that? Saul answered, the troops brought them from the Amalekites and spared the best sheep, goats, and cattle in order to offer a sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we destroyed. He was bending. He was bending the law. Of course, God wants the best sacrifices, but see, that's not what God said in this instance. God said, Destroy it all. Not say the best to offer a sacrifice to me in a party. You were to sacrifice it all, Saul. Listen to this. Samuel exclaimed, Stop! Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. (laughs) What else does Saul have to do? And said, Tell me. Samuel continued, Although you once consider yourself unimportant... Have you not become the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and then sent you on a mission and said, go and completely destroy the sinful Amalekites. Fight against them until you have annihilated them. So why didn't you obey the Lord? Why did you rush on the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul answered. I went on the mission the Lord gave me. I brought back King Agag of Amalek, and I completely destroyed the Amalekites. The troops took sheep, goats, and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was set apart for destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord God at Gilgal. I did everything. You know you didn't, Saul? So Samuel said, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey better is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than a fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And in that moment, the saddest thing happened in Saul's life, the favor of God left him. We read in First Samuel chapter 16 a few short verses, some of potentially the most, I would say the most depressing verses in all of scriptures because it shows us what happens when we know what to do and we don't do it. When we allow sin or evil things to creep into our mind and we turn from God and turn to our own wicked ways, we lose the favor of God. And Saul lost that favor when he was anointed and and blessed as king from Samuel. He received the favor of God and he became mighty. But when he became mighty, his flesh rose up. And what was once a humble man became a prideful man. A man who set up idols upon himself. Who took the place of a prophet or a priest. Instead of living in the line that God gave him in his favor. And so in verse 14 of 1 Samuel 16, we read, Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul... And an evil spirit sent from the Lord began to torment him. So Saul's servant said to him, You see that an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command your servant here in your presence to look for someone who knows how to play the lyre. Whenever the evil spirit from God comes on you, that person can play the liar and you will feel better. Think about that. That was David, the next king that was anointed. And his lineage does live on. Because though he still was man and sinned, he was right with God and he asked for forgiveness. He repented. But Saul never did. And the favor left him. Now many people, they read that and they're like, an evil spirit from God. God isn't evil. No, what happened was was Saul made the choice to turn from God. He didn't repent and he went his own way and God's favor left him. And he allowed the enemy, much like we read in the story of Job, where God allowed Satan to have his way. But unlike Job, Saul never came back. He turned from God and he went his own way. You see, we read this in the New Testament where Paul says in Romans 1, verses 21 and 22, They knew God. Every single person ever created knows God innately inside of themselves. God gave them that. They know God, but they don't or wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. wouldn't even acknowledge Him. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. They became utter fools. Think about that. God allows us to go down a path if we choose. Saul went down that path. He had the opportunity to get right with God. Even though he had already had his consequence of his lineage one not carry on, the kingship, he still had the favor of God on him. But repeated disobedience created the favor of God to be removed and that that should scare every single person can we can you can I get to the point where we reject the one who saved us are we capable of that Now, I realize, depending on your theology, some would say yes, some would say no. I'm I'm not here to argue that today, but I do believe that Saul was anointed as king. He had the favor of God in his life, and he chose to leave God, and the favor of God left him. I don't want that. How do we get to that point where we could be like him and lose the favor of God when we allow our mind to, to slowly take us away from the truth. When we stop thinking about the good things, when we stop focusing on what the Bible says to focus on and allow the garbage in our life to creep in and push it out, that's not the mind of Christ. That is not the mind of Christ. We read in Romans 8, 5, and 6, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I think that scripture is pretty clear. Those of us who are followers of God and those who are not followers of God We have the power to either allow our sinful nature to control our mind or allow the Holy Spirit to control our mind. And we have to choose which one. There will be a battle until the day we pass from this earth to be with Jesus someday. There's going to be a battle every day, every hour of the day. Are we going to choose what's right? Are we going to choose our sinful nature, the evil that we know goes against what God's Word says. Because ultimately, the choices we make in our mind determine our actions. It determines, do we have a life that follows Christ? Do we have the mind of Christ? And so as 1 Peter 1.13 says, we must prepare our minds for action and exercise self-control. So where do we begin? Where do we begin in this process of creating the mind of Christ? We know that we can't allow these, these evil thoughts or these negative thoughts or these comparing thoughts to control us. Everywhere we go, we are, we are, we are fighting the battle of the comparison game, the disappointment game, the anger game, sadness game. Everywhere we turn, it's a battle. So where do we begin if we know that, that we're battling this battle and we've allowed things in our mind? Every person listening, there's not a person alive in this world who is a perfect person in their mind. We all are fighting things in our mind that want to destroy us and want to destroy us from becoming the mind of Christ. Well, what do we do? How do we fight that? I've got one word for you today. It's repent. Repent. You see, when we allow things that are not of God into our mind, it pushes us away from God. Much like Saul, his pride pushed him away from God. Maybe it's not pride for you, maybe it's depression. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's comparison. Maybe it's what other people think of you. We all have something that is not what God wants us to be focused on. And we must repent of that. And for some people today, that's like, what is repent? It's much more than asking for forgiveness. That's what people always like, oh, we just got to go to Jesus and ask for repentance, and that's a great start. Like, that's the first step, really, in repentance. But repentance is something so much more because if we want to be right with God, forgiveness just frees us from the consequences of what we do with God. That frees us. That gives us that relationship with Him. We want to live an empowered life. I like what Corey Ten Boone says. Her view of repentance is this. She says, four marks of true repentance are acknowledgement of wrong. That's good. In, in order to even ask for forgiveness, you have to say, I've actually done something wrong. You have to own it. I really like that thought. We have to own that, that thought that's in my mind, that's not right. That's keeping me from becoming what God wants me to become. It's keeping me from the mind of Christ. And so we must acknowledge. Acknowledge our wrong. And then willingness to confess it. Now, first you have to confess it to God, but I really encourage you to find a, a group that you can confess it to. Because if there's one thing I know, when other people know and you are held accountable, you will have breakthroughs. You need to confess it. Allow others to join you in that process of finding healing from that brokenness. Because anything that's not of Christ is a broken spirit, a broken flesh. And so then she goes on and says, after we've acknowledged it, after we've been willing to confess it, then we must have a willingness to abandon it. That means stop doing it. Now, once you have confessed it and you have a group of people around you to keep you accountable, it's easier to abandon it, right? It's easy to say, I'm not going to do it anymore when you have somebody asking you, how's that going? How's that going? You have to abandon it in order to find freedom from it. And then lastly, she says, a willingness to also make restitution, right? Now, that's not in every situation that you have to make restitution. That means, in a sense, paying it back, giving something up of yourself to make it right, That doesn't always have to happen, but it's a willingness to say, I've done wrong, and I'm willing to make it right. It's a willingness. Now, another way of looking at it is in 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is a, a popular verse that really supports Corey's quote there. And this is, of course, geared toward the nation of Israel, And of course, Israel, uh, now this goes way past Saul's kingship, and this is many years down the road, but they had fallen so far from God because, again, why? They made man king instead of God. But the kings of Israel had taken them so far down that the nation ended up splitting, and one, one part of it ended up falling way farther than the other part, and the other part was holding on, but it was about time for them to be also destroyed and sent into slavery. But God continued to send prophets, these people who spoke to the people and said continuously, come back, come back, come back. And the whole thing was, repent, repent. Turn from your wicked ways and turn back to God. And in 2 Chronicles 7.14, we read, The last plea from God if my people who are called by my name, followers of me, will humble themselves. Stop thinking that they're perfect and they're everything that they could ever be. Just be humble and pray. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways, right? You're going this way. You're going down this path of destruction, of thinking negatively, full of anger. Stop going down that road and turn back to what you know is true. Back to what my word says. Because if you do that, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. And healing their land was so so powerful because their land was being destroyed by the enemies. What is that healing that you need? Friends, I can't think of anything else than we need a healing of the mind. After the, the elections and this season of COVID, And the the polarization that has happened from that and then added to it the racial tensions that we're experiencing. Our nation is is filled with such hurt, pain, confusion, distrust. If you want conspiracy theory right now, uh, it's full of conspiracy theories. We can't trust anybody right now. We make up stories for everything. We need a healing of the mind. And the only way we're going to see a healing of the mind and a healing of these tensions and these divisions is if we get right with God. If we humble ourselves and say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. All, all I know is that in my mind, I'm feeling these, these pressures, this anxiety, this stress, this This fear. This hatred, whatever it might be, I feel this and it's tormenting me and I don't want it anymore. You have to acknowledge that things are not right in your mind. And I want to have the mind of Christ. If we're going to become what God wants us to become, we've got to get to the point where we admit it, we share it, confess it, confess it, and we get right with God we seek Him in His Word. What does His Word say? What should we be thinking about? We should be getting time with Him. What, 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 what is He telling you? His Word is full of truth, but maybe He has something He just wants to tell you right now. Would you be willing to spend the next half hour, the next half day, dedicated to, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to think about? Where do I need to get right with you? Because He wants to heal your mind. Israel needed a healing of the land. We need a healing of the mind. We need a healing of the mind. Well, as we close our time together and we go into this time of reflection and song, Isaiah 55, 6, and 7 has a powerful reminder that I want to leave you with today. You see, we we come to really the end of the Old Testament in this passage as, as God is preparing His people for what is coming. Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah. And He cries out to His people, listen to this, This is for you today. If you want to have a mind of Christ, if you want to have a healthy mind's eye, here's what you need. You need to do what he says. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways. Repent. And banish the very thought of doing wrong. This is so good. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to the Lord God for he will forgive generously. We don't know when our last hours will be. When our days come to an end. Saul ran out of chances, and then 1 Samuel 16, God removed his favor. I have no idea how God works, but I do know that he continuously reaches down and he offers you the opportunity to repent. And so today, if you need to repent, if you need to turn from your Wicked ways, and it begins in the mind. Actions follow the mind. You need to get healthy in your mind. Get the mind of Christ. And if you seek Him, you will find Him. And if you turn from your wicked ways, He will heal your mind. And you will be on the process of getting the mind of Christ. Father, I thank You for this day. I thank you for the promises that are in your word, that if we will seek you, we will find you. And that if we repent, if we turn from our wicked ways, Father, you will heal us. You will heal us. And I pray that right now you will be speaking into the hearts and the minds of people and you will be challenging them. Challenging them in specific areas of their mind that they need to turn from so that they can find what the mind of Christ is. So that they can be freed to become all you have them to become. And I thank you that you never stop. That you love us so much that you continuously reach down your hand and you offer us forgiveness. And so I pray you move mightily right now in every listener's life, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Nexus Church Family Online, for joining us today, and I look forward to seeing you again next
1: week. A